Well, here we are again, Church Saddleback Covenant, our friends. We, we miss you dearly. Uh, I know this has been going on a long time, but uh, this is at least one of our touch points here to join together with, with the worship team. And we have Lynn's here today, and uh, we were getting ready to go. I, I, I was going to pray, but she, she did remind us to pray, which was good, because we must pray before we get started. Amen? Amen. So it's always a privilege and a pleasure to, to be together in worship. So just join with us wherever you guys are at. Father, we just uh, lift up this time to you, Lord. We give you this time. God, we, we commit this time to you. Lord, we just ask that you would be with us. You would um, uh, give us a visitation of your Holy Spirit, Lord God. We, we cry out to you um, in earnest, Lord. Uh, we just say, Lord, we lay everything at your feet um, today, Lord, um, for what's going on. Lord, we just know that you are in control. Um, so as we worship, God, may we just be reminded of your goodness, reminded of your mercy and your majesty, and that you are the audience that we're, we're singing to. God, I pray, Lord, that you would move in all of our hearts up here, in, in, in the living rooms, wherever we're taking this in, God. I pray, Lord, that you, your Holy Spirit, would become manifest in that room, in this room, God. So we commit this time to you. We thank you, Lord, uh, for this weekend. Uh, we celebrate our, our country that you've given us, God. Uh, you are God of this city. You're God of this country. And um, God, you're, you're over all of us and through it, Lord. So thank you, uh, Lord. Um, we bless you uh, as we worship. Lord, I just pray that you would move in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. song we could ever sing and worthy of all the praise we could ever bring and worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you we sing worthy and worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe And worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus And Jesus the name above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever say And worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Oh we live for you And holy there is no one like you There is none beside you You open up my
every song we could ever sing And worthy of all the praise we could ever bring And worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you, Lord And holy, there is none like you. There is none beside you. You open up my eyes in wonder and show who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. We build our life upon you, Lord. You're our firm foundation, Father, Lord. Worthy, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Jesus, your name is power, breath of 
Well, it's good to know that you're out there, that you're watching this morning. It's the 5th of July, but I'm actually um, taping this on the 3rd of July. So tomorrow is going to be the 4th of July. And I hope you have a great time with family and friends. The, uh, this is an amazing holiday. I have a bias I'm going to start out with right away. I love our country. I'm a veteran of the United States Army. My father was also a veteran and fought in World War II. I've lived all over the United States, from Washington State to Georgia, to Massachusetts, Nebraska, Pennsylvania, California. I've lived overseas three years of my life, so I've seen some things in this brief life that I, sh I have. And so I hope that this morning what I'm sharing with you comes across in sincerity and truth. Um, None of us are in a vacuum. We realize that we are in a very unusual time in our social, political, economic structures, that uh, we are also dealing with the pandemic. And so there's a lot there, but in the midst of it, I know of one who is not nervous, who does not sleep nor slumber, that knows when one of these hairs from my head falls to the ground who is the author and finisher of my faith and your faith, and he is my protector. He is the Lord God Almighty. He rules and reigns forever and ever. Lord, are you hearing me? I'm saying with the people that are amen and me out there that you are who you are. You said I am that I am, and we say you are who you are. We love you this morning, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're getting started this morning. Uh, my congregation is 50% down, as Bill Malstead's not here, so Ethan is my amen corner. He needs some help uh, with that, but he'll do the best he can this morning. Well, the Declaration of Independence, in the preamble, it says, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. Among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Scholars, um, around the year 2000, they decided to think of the most influential things that happened in the first, the last thousand years, the millennial from the year 1000 AD to 2000. And they came up with the top 100. Believe it or not, Coca-Cola came in 82nd. Um, the Telegraph was 44th. Genghis Khan, who would have thought, got 29. The Wright brothers, 27. I mean, planes, only 27. Model T Ford was 17. Charles Darwin's Origin of the Species came in 15th. Number one was Johann Gutenberg's printing press, which through that, books were finally uh, able to be sent out to the masses. His invention was uh, close to the time of the Reformation in Europe, which changed Europe forever and really changed the church. The Reformation that took place with Luther and Zwingli and um, John Calvin, uh, the Anabaptists, it led to a counter-reformation in Catholics with Ignatius Loyola, and we have a whole thing that happened 500 years ago that we're still dealing with today. But the Declaration of Independence got eight, eight, on that list, amazing. 
So I have a question for you. Who is king in America? Mm-hmm. It's not LeBron James. It's not, it's not the president. We don't have a king. But I will tell you, from the invention of writing to 3300 B.C., the world has been mostly ruled by kings. Though we call them by different names. We call them uh, pharaohs, chieftains, emperors, Caesars, sultans, khans, maharishis, monarchs, dictators. Power like gravity is concentrated in the hands of one person or a particular social elite who rewards friends and punishes enemies. This would have easily have occurred in our country unless our founders stood firm. I said this in the letter I wrote last week, that happiness is a pursuit, not a guaranteed outcome. I'll say it again. Happiness is a pursuit, not a guaranteed outcome. Human history is a clash of isms. The ideals of the Declaration of Independence transcend all of these isms. God-given, self-evident truths point us to higher ground even when we, we, you and I, the people, fall short. An ism can be defined as a distinctive practice system or philosophy, typically a political ideology, or it could be an artistic movement like cubism or modernism or surrealism. But also, politically, it's humanism, communism, capitalism, racism, secularism, materialism, individualism, socialism, atheism, agnosticism, multiculturalism. You pick an ism, and it's out there. On and on it goes. Some of these isms are inherently bad. At the very core, they're saying, God does not exist. Psalm 14.1 says, the fool the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Anything that would say that, according to the word of God, is, is, a, is foolish and brought on by fools. Other isms have good intentions, but inherently they implode under their own weight, our own carnality, our own sinful nature. In Jeremiah, he says, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. That's Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. We're exhorted to watch over our heart with all diligence. For out of our heart springs flow the springs of life. It is distressing to see all the division and turmoil out there. But anyone close to my age will tell you it's not the first time and it won't be the last time. Jesus said this, The things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Be, take courage. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. It is in our faith that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. 
Now, I'm going to give you a little test here this morning. Ethan, you're going to be my uh, lab rat here because you're the only one that's live. I'm going to read something to you, and I want you to tell me about it. It goes like this. Whereas the Bible, the Word of God, has made a unique contribution in shaping the United States as a distinctive and blessed nation and people, and whereas uh, deeply held religious convictions springing from the Holy Scriptures led to uh, the early settlement of the nation, whereas Bible teachings inspired the concepts of civil government and are contained in our Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States, whereas many of our great national leaders, among them Presidents Washington, Jackson, and Lincoln, pay tribute to the surpassing influence of the Bible in our country, as development, uh, in our country's development. President Jackson said, the Bible is the rock on which the Republic rests. Whereas in the history of our nation clearly illustrates the value of voluntarily applying the teachings of scriptures in the lives of the individual families and society. And whereas this nation now faces great challenges that will test this nation as it has never been tested before. And whereas the renewing of our knowledge and our faith in God through the Holy Scriptures can strengthen us as a nation and people, now therefore be it resolved by the Senate and the House of Representatives of the United States of America and Congress assembled that President is authorized and requested to designate as the National Year of the Bible in recognition of both the formative influence of the Bible has on our nation and our national need to study and apply the teachings of Holy scriptures. All right, you're on. What year was that? Throw out a guess. Come on. All right, on the, huh? 1787? Well, he's not far off. Actually, that was 1982. Wow. It's not long ago that the Bible was revered. The president sworn in on the Bible. Do you hold these truths to be the whole truth? Nothing but the truth, so help you, God. People put their hand on a Bible. Although there's battles for all of that going on right now, even as I speak. But the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit, bone of marrow, bone and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of our heart. Living. Thy word is truth. Sanctify me in truth. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word is God. Thy word is truth. Despite what you hear, our country has a deep and rich spiritual history. It was founded by imperfect men and imperfect women. Shooting for an ideal that was not yet a reality. In 1776, we were not a country. We just signed a declaration. It would be eight years later at the Constitution or Convention. They were shooting for something, and as I speak to you, yea, verily, I say unto you, we're still shooting for it. But there is something the founders did in our country 
that allowed for correctives to take place as we move towards the upward call of what we should be as individuals and as a society. Let me say a little bit about beginnings. Ben Franklin, I know you know who he was, was a good friend of the great evangelist George Whitfield. Whitfield could speak um, in front of 10,000 people. He had a, a golden voice. Uh, William Pitt, uh, the Prime Minister of England, said he never heard anybody talk like Whitfield. He was so dramatic and so anointed. He really was the uh, tip of the spear for the first great awakening. Untold members came to Christ through his ministry along with the others who were born up during that time. In our nation, Log College was formed, later to be known as Princeton University. In our nation, Dartmouth was founded during that time, which was a ministry to the American Indian. Harvard had existed since 1636, and um, it's, uh, I will tell you, tell you that 52% of its classmates during that time were, went into the ministry. So I want to read this. Uh, I will tell you that Harvard's rules and precepts adopted in 1646 included the following essentials. Everyone shall consider the main end of his life and studies to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. Seeing the Lord giveth wisdom, everyone shall seriously by prayer, um, praying secretly, seek wisdom of him. Everyone shall so exercise himself in reading the scriptures twice a day, that they be ready to give an account of their proficiency therein, both in theoretical observations and language and logic, in practical and spiritual truths. It's amazing. Amazing. During these same times, in the founding years of our country, the first century, first century and a half, we came up with things like hospitals and uh, Christian colleges and university and education and rescue missions, foster care, relief agencies, the Red Cross, um, Salvation Army, YMCA, on and on it goes, born out of the heart of Christians acting to help their neighbor. James Madison said this, if men were angels, government would not be necessary. I want to go through this sort of like uh, just giving you some quotes, kind of to inspire you to really know that these are real quotes of people that you studied in school. The first one is at the Constitutional Convention. Um, they were very divided, couldn't get anything done. It looked like it was going to fall out. And Ben Franklin, who was not known as being a particularly spiritual man, stood up in the assembly and said this, God governs the affairs of men, and if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it possible that an empire can arise without his aid? We have been assured in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. I firmly believe this. I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. Thomas Jefferson also referred to many places as a deist. And it is true there was the Jefferson Bible where he struggled with the supernatural. But he did say this, of all the systems of morality, ancient and modern, 
which have come under my observation, none appears so pure as that of Jesus. He had studied Cicero, Plato, Aristotle, and he studied them in the original languages. As you know, he was a brilliant man, but he said, I'm a real Christian, a disciple of the doctrine of Jesus. James Madison, the author of the Constitution, we have staked our future on our ability to follow the Ten Commandments with all our heart. We have staked the future of American civilization not, not on the power of government. Far from it. This is the author of the Constitution. We have staked the future of the political institutions upon our capacity to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. I am the Lord thy God, that shall have no other gods before me. Do not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Honor the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife and goods and BMW and swimming pool and whatever else we're talking about. Noah Webster said this, the Bible was America's basic textbook. William Penn, founder of Pennsylvania and the University of Pennsylvania, those who will not be governed by God will be ruled by tyrants. I have one more long prayer I want to read here from George Washington. And he is also, they said, oh, he was a deist and all these other things. Tell me if the, what this prayer sounds He had a personal prayer journal, and this is one of many prayers that have been uh, copied out of the, that prayer journal he, sat, he had. He said, O most glorious God in Jesus Christ, my mercifully and, merciful and loving Father, I acknowledge and confess my guilt in the in weak and imperfect performance of the duties of this day. I have called on thee for pardon and forgiveness of my sins but so coldly and carelessly that my prayers are become my sin and stand in need of pardon. I have sinned against heaven and before thee in thought, word, and deed. I have condemned thy majesty and thy holy laws. I have likewise sinned by admitting that I ought to have done, uh, done what I ought to have done, committing what I ought not. I have rebelled against the light, despising the mercies and judgment and broken my vows and promise. I've neglected the better things. My iniquities are multiplied and my sins are very great. And I confess them, O Lord, with shame and sorrow, detestation and loathing and desire to be vile in my own eyes as I have rendered myself vile in thine. I humbly beseech thee to be merciful to me and the free pardon of my sins. For the sake of thy dear Son and the only Savior, Jesus Christ, who came not to call the righteous but the sinners to repentance, thou gavest thy Son to die for me. Wow. That was the first president of the United States. By the way, Hamilton's out. I heard it's on 
one of the Disney channels. Everybody wants to see Hamilton, the movie. He was a real person, you know. Amazing life. In 1804, he said, I have, I have to tend to the reliance on the, on the mercy of the Almighty through the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a sinner. I look for him for mercy. Pray for me, he said. For my own part, I sincerely esteem it, the Constitution, as a system in which the finger of God never could have, could have been suggested or agreed upon by such a diversity of interests without the Christian influence. I've carefully examined the evidence of the Christian religion, and if I was sitting as a juror upon its authenticity, I would unhesitantly give my verdict in its favor. I can prove its truth as clearly as a proposition ever submitted to the mind of men. That was Alexander Hamilton. Around the time of the Constitution, Franklin Jefferson and John Adams were wrestling with the seal of the United States. Franklin proposed uh, Israel crossing the Red Sea. Jefferson wanted to see the children of Israel in the wilderness, uh, cloud by day, fire by night. Another uh, popular proposal was rebellion to tyrants, obedience to God, with Pharaoh's army, army drowning in the Red Sea. The founders believed in the sinful nature of men. The founders believed in the sinful nature of men. While the Enlightenment proposed that man was the sum of all things, Enlightenment thinking led to the human potential movement and the modern view that we can accomplish anything through our own strength and wisdom. Our American Revolution is so distinct from the French Revolution. In the French Revolution, the mob attacked the Bastille. 50,000 died and said the blood ran in the streets of Paris. They went into the Cathedral of Notre Dame and took down the crucifix and put up the goddess of reason. Clergy were put to death, imprisoned, exiled. The Committee of Public Safety is the one that ran the guillotine. The result of it was a dictator named Napoleon Bonaparte who absolutely destroyed Europe. And Europe has never been the same. Ours was about winning the course of human events. This was not a bunch of rabble-rousers. This was the hand of a sovereign God in a sovereign time. It became necessary, not our choice. It was a necessary thing to do. They believed in the fallen nature. They believed in the separation of powers. In Isaiah 33, 22, Madison gives credit to this. The Lord is our judge. That's where we get the Supreme Court. The Lord is our lawgiver. That's where we get the legislature. The Lord is our king. There's our executive branch. Executive, legislative, and judicial. The signers to the Declaration, actually, I want to talk about them a little bit because some of them were slaveholders. Some of them were not. But I will tell you, whether they were or not, they risked everything. They were tortured. Many were tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and destroyed. Uh, two lost their sons in the war and had sons captured. A number died from wounds and hardships in the revolution. They pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Signing the declaration was a death warrant. The first signer was John Hancock, of which the great insurance company in Boston is named after. 
He was the president of the Congress. They served in Congress without pay. Many of them lost their plantations. Of the 54 signers, uh, of the 56 signers, 54 were Orthodox committed Christians. They believed in the Bible and the divine truth of God and scripture. The first Congress formed the American Bible Society. And after uh, the Declaration of Independence, the Continental Congress voted to purchase 20,000 copies of scripture to be given to the people of this nation. At the Mayflower Compact in 1620, it starts, in the name of God, amen. On June 6, 1944, Franklin Roosevelt said, Almighty God, 324 years later, Almighty God, our sons, pride in our nation this day, have set upon a mighty endeavor to struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, to set free a suffering humanity. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They, they yearn but for the end of battle and return to the haven of homes. Success may not come without, with rushing speed, but we shall return again and again, and we shall know that by thy grace and thy righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. Thy will be done, almighty God. Amen. A war that resulted in 55 million dead, 7 million Jews destroyed, and the most systematic kill, killing that we know of in the history of the world. Devastation in China and Russia. And America, my country tis of thee, we were there, fighting for the right reasons. I'm glad to be an American, imperfect as it is. Thank God for God. And thank God for our country. Abraham Lincoln said, the classroom of one generation will be the government of the next. The endowment that the, that the, that the Declaration says we're endowed by our creator from God is, is an endowment from God. It's not from the government. God Almighty endows us with inalienable rights liberty, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Government cannot provide happiness, but should foster the pursuit of happiness. Government is to protect, but does not guarantee outcomes. The founders wanted the Declaration of the Constitution to promote virtue and punish vice. They realized the only way self-government would work was, was obedience to the unenforceable middle between law and freedom, which is virtue. If I'm lying to you right now, I'm not going to jail. But I am being unethical. If everyone in the country is lying, we're not committing crimes, but nobody trusts each other. That unenforceable middle between law and freedom is what we call virtue, being a man and a woman of our word. This is what is called the unenforceable middle of the great American experiment. When virtue leaves our culture, the only thing left is liberty and law, and they're colliding with licentiousness on one end and legalism and litigation on the other. And that is, unfortunately, a lot of what we're wrestling with today. Government cannot produce virtue. Where does it come from? It's two places predominantly, the family and the church. Parents are called to teach and model virtue to their children. 
That's why the fall, the breakup of the family is so critical in our culture. And I'm not going to give you a bunch of statistics, and I'm not going to repeat the news to you. But if we know anything about anything, the breakup of a man, a husband and wife, and the fallout from all that has devastated our country in the inner city, among our black brothers, and certainly among white, all, all of us have suffered because the family has become, like many other things, throwaway parts. We need God's help. In the original writings, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Virtue, the word is erete. It means, instead of happiness, it means virtue. So life, liberty, and the pursuit of virtue would be more accurate. Happiness was never intended to be hedonistic or self-centered, but rather a byproduct of living a virtuous life as an individual in the context of community. Daniel Webster said this, Hold on, my friends, to the Constitution and to the Republic for which it stands. Miracles do not cluster. And what has happened once in 6,000 years may not happen again. Hold on to the Constitution, for if the American Constitution should fail, there will be anarchy in the world. Power comes from God to you, which is then loaned to government. We are to be salt and life, exercising good citizens, seeking to please the Lord in all we do. I'm going to close with a couple of exhortations. Number one, I want you to repeat this after me. Don't be afraid of what you can't control. They say that 92% of what we worry about never happens. Do you believe that? 92% of what you're worrying about right now never happens. Have courage. In in Jeremiah 12, 5, he says, If you have run with footmen and they've tired you out, how will you compete with horses? First of all, I didn't know we were going to compete with horses, but I think we are. If you fall down in the land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of Jordan? You and I are called to spiritual battle. We need to have courage. The wicked flee when no one's pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So don't be afraid, number one, of what we can't control. Two, on this 4th of July, pray without ceasing in everything. Uh, give thanks um, to God, which is the will of, in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. The best thing we can ever do in a seemingly hopeless situation is pray, trust, and serve. The Lord nullifies the counsel of nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Today, as I speak... George Bonner took a poll and said 70% of people in this country do not believe in absolutes. I am one of the 30%. I believe there's right and wrong. I believe truth is truth. And I believe that many of you that are watching believe the same. And we need to understand that believing in absolutes is not a license to be judgmental of others, 
but to be loving and have and listening and through our words and deeds win people to the kingdom by the work of the Holy Spirit. Finally, in your placement, have courage, pray, your placement in this world, in this country, in this state, in this county, in this city, in your neighborhood, in your home for God's glory. Magio Deo, in the image of God, all human beings are made in the image of God, male, female, uh, white, black, rich, poor. Each of us has a role to play in history, a history that God unfolds among men and nations. In the midst of it, our primary calling at all times and in all places is to the Lord himself. The great commandment, the great commission is fulfilled through our lives, whether we're a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick maker, whatever that is. Today, you could be nine or 90, male or female, rich or poor again, extrovert or introvert, it doesn't matter. He's not a respecter of persons. He loves you and has a purpose for your life. COVID-19 continues to be a thorn in our side, requiring mutual patience and cooperation. I say this every week, the light in the tunnel is there, but it flickers. The goalposts have been moved a number of times. So what are we going to do? And I confessed last week, get irritable. Please raise your hand if you've been irritable. I see that hand. I see that hand. Blame, okay, blame shifter. I see that hand, I see that hand. Complainer, that would be the whiner. That would be the one that just whines and whines and whines. Is that you? And finally, the pontificator. You're the one that has it all figured out. You know more about this than probably uh, outside of the Lord. I don't know if anybody knows as much as you might know about this, because you're just smart. You're the smartest person in the room. Look, you are smart, and we are to use our minds, and we are to come up with wise choices. But it's important that we keep a humble heart. I've done all of that, I just said, probably at one time or another over the last three or four months, but today's a new day. Today's the day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I pray that you have a happy and rich 4th of July. It signifies a day when a great thing happened in the history of our country. And even to this day, the declaration is exported into constitutions around the world of countries that are emerging. Again, there are those that say, well, they want to denigrate and tear down our imperfections. I would rather realize that when I came to Christ, my sins were forgiven, but I still was a work in progress. Every Christian matures through sanctification over the process of their life. We go from glory to glory. 
even a nation state in its immaturity in 1776 and 1783 that made compromises in order to be established, compromises that still bother us to this day, but maybe we wouldn't have had a country. We don't know. I'm not here for a history lesson, but I'm here to say that we're a work in progress and that um, my country tis of thee, sweet land of liberty. So I want to close with prayer and uh, blessing. Amen. Lord, I ask you to have mercy on the United States of America. I pray, Lord, that yesterday on the 4th that people were able to share their hearts with one another and um, appreciate the freedom that we have. A freedom that does the reason so many people want to come here from other nations around the world is because they're not experiencing freedom where they are. Or they have various levels of freedom or class systems that don't allow them to rise above a certain uh, expectation of what their parents or grandparents were. But here, Lord, you've given us a place where a man is worthy of his labor, where someone can um, succeed, not just with money, but with family and, um, and in the kingdom of God. Lord, the most important thing for me and all who are listening is where we are with you. I pray, Lord, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit this day and bless us. Not because we deserve it, but because you are so good and because you are so merciful. In your mighty and wonderful name I pray, amen. God bless you. There's going to be a few people doing some videos followed by Pat and the worship team. Thank you, Pat, again. Uh, and all of all of you, and uh, God bless. Hey, everyone. Happy Fourth of July. Happy Fourth of July. We are Sean and Bob King, and uh, Pastor Kevin asked us to share a little bit today about what we've learned from quarantine, we want, what we want to take away, kind of what you've heard other couples say. Um, and there's a lot, and it's hard to believe we're three months into this, and we're still processing Um I would say for me, for both of us, actually, we talked a lot about um, how we felt a lot of, um, we felt out of control, I think, in the situation. That became obvious real fast. I mean, for me as an event planner, all my events went away. The idea of how, you know, were we going to make money? Um, you know, the whole world turned upside down. And my reaction was to go like this and hold on to anything I could. And it was a fear reaction. And, um, and when you're afraid, it's like your eyes are closed and your, your fists are clenched and you can't, you're kind of paralyzed. And so we realized pretty quickly that that's not a great way to um, live. <laughs> and so the minute that we opened our hands and we opened our eyes, we could see God was there and God was still in control. And so the idea of choosing faith over fear, that that's really what I want to, I want to take away from this. And there were a lot of things in this time that we had, um, we had expectations for, we had significant milestones with our kids, a sweet 16 for our daughter, 18th birthday for our son, high school graduation. And once we opened our hands and said, okay, God, this is not going to go the way we wanted. We've got to give up the control. Um, then 
he was able to come in and bless us in ways that we would never have expected and give us some really sweet moments with our kids in these milestones and um, experience things in a new way that um, were freeing and took that fear away. So I think that's that's that. Sorry, <laughs> that's I spoke a lot. You go. <laughs> I I agree entirely. We There were so many things in family and work that were out of our control. And um, there's so many people come to you and they're, they're desperate for the right answers and you, you want to give them to them. And so I think one thing that's been a true blessing in this and that I hope to continue and, and take out of it is this, uh, it changed the way people sought God. And it allowed for so many wonderful conversations um, about faith with people that I work with and friends and family. And it just created this, this boldness um, because everyone was seeking. And um, I so enjoyed having the opportunity to have those um, conversations of faith. And this, uh, this verse kind of, it actually um, popped up on Bible One Year uh, a while ago, um, but it popped up again as I was thinking about this. Um, and it's 2 Corinthians 8 um, through 10. It says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. And man, did we plead that this would go away. <laughs> but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want to hold to those words even past this crisis. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for letting us share, you guys. We miss you. We love you. Hope, you be, hope to be back with you soon. Take care. Happy Fourth. Hey, everybody. We're the Gillespies. Miss you guys all. Um, I think one of the things that we, I would uh, leave behind is probably just this cloud of fear, just the unknown. I'd love to leave that fear behind. And uh, for me, I think one of the things that I definitely want to take out of this season and bring with us is the focus and, and the, just the time together, the time spent mm -hmm. and the memories that we've built and also just moving forward, having that focus on time together. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Christiane, and yeah, I think I would um, leave behind, there's, you know, obviously there's just so much heaviness right now, and it feels really dark, and I think especially in this current part of the season, it feels, um, I've, I've talked to a lot of people, and I think a lot of people are feeling hopeless, like when is the end going to be here, um, and I know that's hard, and I know um, for us, you know, we've come through some different things in the past like several years with our family in particular um, we just wrapped up a season of doing foster care with our son who we just adopted and I know we went through a time of feeling like that season was hopeless and very dark and very heavy and we just got to the end of that season and got to see like what God was doing in the midst of the darkness and in the midst of what felt like hopelessness so I feel excited right now and in a weird way that God, I know God is on the move and I know he hasn't left us and um, nor will he ever. So I feel hopeful about that. Um, so I guess coming out of this, I'm excited to 
to bring hope and bring, um, I know God's doing something, so I'm excited to see what he's doing and to um, get to celebrate that when it, <laughs> when it all, when we get to see the benefits of that. But yeah, I think just some of the heaviness and the, the darkness that is happening right now, I'd love to just leave behind. <laughs> so, yeah. See you guys soon. Hi, my name is Rhonda Rudin, and I have been with Salvat Covenant Church since 1979. I'm very old, and I'm part of the very vulnerable population. Although I'm very healthy, and I'm very thankful that I have not gotten the virus. I haven't even had a cold. Thank you, Jesus. But I wanted to let you know that um, the first part of this whole shelter-in-place thing was horrible for me. I could not seem to get into a groove. I was off balance. My schedule was off. Everything was off. It was unbelievable. And no matter what I did, I couldn't I couldn't pray enough. I couldn't read the Bible enough. I couldn't do anything right. It was just every fear and every insecurity that I ever had and new ones surfaced and I was bombarded. It was like I was under attack. Um, and it was hard. It was really hard. So uh, we did a Zoom call for home group. And I uh, remember I was the last one that shared. I didn't even really want to share, but I shared. And I just said, all I know is this is really hard for me. I don't know why. I don't know exactly what God's after in me, but he needs, I'm giving him full permission to do it and to do as much as he needs to do for as long as he needs to. But let's get it over with. So I actually did start doing some worship music um, and putting that on, and that was helpful. But what, what was really helpful is that on Easter Sunday, I found out that there were moms, Erica and Aaron and Courtney and others, that came, that talked to their kids and had them write letters and note cards and all of this. 30 35 of these. 35. Are you looking at them? 35. I'm not even going to look. 35 letters. Letters from some of the uh, girls that were just um, having a really difficult time. They couldn't pray. Kind of like what I was going through. Um, some of the boys were just, <laughs> they didn't know what to say. But they drew, they drew a picture. Um, uh, uh, one of the boys gave me a dark chocolate candy bar. <laughs> Some of the kids gave me, um, uh, one of the kids gave me popcorn. And then we got to um, Hadley and Cole Sitabaka. Yes, they ended up giving me a dollar and a beautiful card. And I have to tell you, this is what I'm taking with me. This is what's coming with me. This is a treasure because it was a tangible expression of my father's love for me. And I am so grateful. And I thank you so very much.
spacious skies for amber waves of green for purple mountain majesties above the fruited plain America America God shed His grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Oh, beautiful for heroes prove. blessed everybody uh happy fourth of july happy in independence day um go and be well and we will see you soon